Hey, Valley family, this is uh, week number three in our series that we're calling Uncommon, and uh, it's, it's a relationship series, no matter what the relationships are, if that is uh, marriage or parenting, friendship, coworker to coworker, boss to uh, employee, uh, just all these relationships, it's amazing how much wisdom, and we shouldn't, I guess, be surprised that God's word has for us about all these different relationships. And so uh, week number one, Pastor Stephen did a great job talking about uncommon love. And, and then last week, we looked at uncommon communication. All those are on our Valley website. If you missed any of those, I think you probably want to go back uh, and, and give a listen there. Just real practical, great stuff from God's word. Uh, uh, next week, we're going to be concluding this series uh, with the message, Uncommon Influence. But specifically, during our time together uh, right now, I want to talk about uncommon conflict because that's all a part of relationships. We all have conflict. Anyone here has never had a conflict before in a relationship? Good. I know who I'm speaking to. Uh, you know, we, we all have uh, those, uh, those difficulties. And, and again, the Bible gives us great uh, principles that, that we can be different, that in our relationships they can truly be uncommon. Uh, before we jump in though, I just want to mention uh, for many that are, are seeing this at our Poughkeepsie campus, just shout out to you and also our online campus. Uh, on Sunday at 6.30 we have our group link, which is for uh, our community groups. We do this twice a year, only every six months we open up. It's almost like a job fair, but it's for our small groups. And, and it's just a huge part of what we do here at Valley Christian Church uh, and the Valley family. Uh, it, it's really the lifeblood. It's the heart of uh, our church family. And, and so just want to invite you to 630 uh, on Sunday uh, uh, here in Hopewell. And uh, also I'm going to be starting and you can sign up. Uh, the sign up starts then and it's limited capacity for men. Uh, a short term men's group that's going to run for six weeks uh, on Saturday mornings and the sign ups will start then at Group Link as well. A number of other short term groups. But uh, we just believe people grow better in circumstances than they do in rows. And, and it's something about just kind of opening up, building relationship. That's how you really get to know. And, and, and that's how all of a sudden the church gets a lot smaller when you're involved with a small group. It's not such a big thing. You get to know people and, and build relationship. And it's really kind of like spiritual growth on, on steroids, really. Uh, and so that's group link. And in fact, just, just recently, it was pretty cool, uh, a young man in our, our church family named Mike Imard, he shared uh, his story. He's just been in the church for a little over a year of how he just jumped in. He went all in. And I talked about this last week. If you give God one year and you go all in with what we do here at Valley Christian Church, you will be a different person in 12 months. And, and basically, that's what Mike shared. Uh, he, he shared at our welcome home party with some folks really, really new to the church. He's like, listen, this is my experience. And he just listed what had happened. And he's like, I'm different. I, I'm, 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 a very, I'm a completely different person just one year later. And, and so Small groups are a big part of that, and Mike talked about that. Involved in community groups, involved in a short-term group, makes all the difference in the world. So we just want to invite you out. No obligation uh, uh, in terms of that, but group link uh, at 6.30 on Sunday night. Now back to the series, uh, Uncommon. Our, our, our kind of big overarching statement in this series is this, great relationships are possible, but they're not very probable. 
Great relationships are possible. Every relationship that you have, every relationship I have, that is possible to have great relationships, but they're not probable, especially if we conduct our relationships the way that the culture does, our world does, because you just don't have any idea what, uh, what, what relationships are supposed to be. What are they based on? Uh, how do we have really healthy relationships? And, and our key passage in the Bible uh, that we've looked at is Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and I just want to go back to that real quick. Uh, we, we looked at this last week. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, don't copy, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. And, and so that's what happens when we gather together like this uh, in one of our services or uh, in our small groups as well, is, is that we look at what God's word has to say and as God changes the way that we think and that allows the transformation to happen on the inside out and that's by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know uh, God's will for you, and, and this sounds far-fetched to many of us, but this is what God wants for every one of us. God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I mean, just let that sink in for just a minute. That God wants you to experience relationships. Every relationship you have would be good and pleasing and perfect. That's what God wants. And not only does he just want that for you and for me, he shows us how we can have good and pleasing and perfect relationships. And so this is kind of the key passage to allow God to transform us in this series, a key passage, by changing the way that we think. And so we're going, I want to talk about uh, uncommon conflict, because we all are going to have conflict. Uh, you, you know, we're going to have some conflict that's going to come up uh, in the future. And and if you don't, if you're not in the middle of a conflict right now in some relationship, go ahead, open your Valley Christian Church app, uh, take some notes, because then you can look back on these and like, oh, right, okay, that's how I need to do this. That's how I need to handle this right here. I want to give you some real practical tools uh, out of God's Word for handling conflict, because conflict happens. It happens between parents and children. It, it happens between friends. I mean, it even happens in marriage. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. How many of you in your marriage, if you're married, have had conflict? Because every married hand would be up. I mean, marriage, I heard it put this way, marriage, uh, marriage is like a deck of cards. You start off with two hearts, and at the end, you want a club and a spade. That's, that's, like, that's what marriage is all about. You know, sometimes it's just like a deck of cards. But, but, you know, at the end, you end up wanting a club and a spade. And, and, and I want to just share real quick four different uh, uh, causes of conflict. And, and then we're going to get into the solution mode. But just to identify, uh, sometimes half the whole situation is just understanding how it arises, what it's all about. So four causes of conflict. Here's the first one, poor communication. Poor communication. And, and, and it's so easy. Communication is not what we want to say. It's how it's understood. I, I'll give you an example. You know, uh, the message I gave last week was about communication, uncommon communication. And at our 9.30 service on Sunday morning, it was just kind of crazy. I, I was trying to set it up, and just at that point, I, I think most of you heard, and, and when I just shared with the Valley family, I just said, I love you. I, I love you. I really, I love you. And, and, and I had this really cool way. I thought, I'm going to really do even better at communicating this at 9.30. And so 
I started off and I said, you know, there's one word, if I, 27 years, almost 28 years as a pastor here, there's one word that my wife Susie and I could never see us saying to the Valley family, and that was goodbye. And all of a sudden, everyone went, because oh, they thought I was going to resign or you know, I was retiring or something like that. I was like, no, 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 that's not it at all, you know, because I miscommunicated when I'm talking about communication. And it's so, it's so easy to have conflict because we have poor communication. And like, I make my living by it and I still mess up all the time. And uh, one woman almost had a coronary right in the, the front row there. And uh, I'm glad that, that uh, the. Uh, Medics were able to revive her. But anyway, poor communication. Now, listen, here's a prayer that you can pray every single day when it comes to communication. Are, are you ready for this? It's found in Psalm 141, verse 3. And the Bible says, this is a prayer now. You can pray this. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Like, God, help me to keep from saying stupid things. Set a guard over my, God, guard my, help me to just zip my lip. Set a guard over my mouth, O oh Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Do you realize what doors of the lips? Doors have what? Handles. You decide to open them or to close them. Same thing with our words. We decide the words we choose. We decide the tone in which we say them. And here's a great, great prayer when it comes to Poor communication. Set a guard over my mouth, O oh Lord. Keep a watch over the doors of my lips. Here's the second reason for, for conflict. Uh, unfulfilled expectations. Ooh, boy. So many problems come from unfulfilled expectations. Again, marriage, parenting, on the job, friend to friend, unfulfilled expectations all anger begins right here, when, when someone doesn't live up to the expectation that we have of them. That's where all anger comes from. The frustration, you're not doing what I think you should do. You're not being who I think you should be. Unfulfilled expectations. And it's pretty interesting, again, in the scripture, in, in uh, James in the New Testament, it actually tells us where this comes from, these unfulfilled expectations. Look at what it says, James chapter four, verse one and two. What causes fights and quarrels among you? In other words, what causes conflict? What causes conflict? Here's the answer. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? See, it's not the other person that causes the conflict. It's I have a desire, I want you to do this. And you don't meet that desire. Unfulfilled expectations. The Bible goes on and it says, you want something, but you don't get it. I want you to do this. You're supposed to be this for me, but you don't get it. You kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. All conflict is an inside job. Unfulfilled expectations on our spouse, on our kids, kids to parents, employees to employers, unfulfilled expectation. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to be. You know, think about marriage for instance. You know, you meet that person, it's like, you fulfill me. And then all of a sudden, you don't even like them anymore. That there's something about desires before marriage, but then after marriage, they become these expectations. 
And, and what was just a, a wonderful thing before marriage, now all of a sudden, no, you, you're supposed to do that because you're my spouse. You're supposed to do that. And for some people, listen, they could be married to Jesus Christ, they'd still be disappointed. I, I mean, because they're looking for something. Jesus will fulfill you, by the way. No one else will fulfill your expectations. Only Christ. He's the only one. And so unfulfilled expectations. So many times people get married to try to find complete, that they'd be completed. And they put expectations that only the Almighty can meet. And that's why unfulfilled expectations causing conflict. Here's the third thing, despising differences. Despising differences. My wife and I are so different, and I'm really glad we are. I appreciate all of her differences. I love all of her differences. But so many times we despise those differences. Opposites attract. It's what draws a husband and wife to one another, but then there's something. It's also like it starts just annoying the pudding out of you, just, just annoying the heck out of you. Now, my wife's not perfect, and I'm not perfect. And it's funny, we know exactly what to do to get on each other's nerves. We know exactly, and you know what it is? Uh, I'm not, she knows this. She does, you know, jokingly and all. Just leave the cabinet doors open in the kitchen. I go out of my mind. It just, I just, just if it's open like an inch, just that much, it just drives me nuts. I'll be sitting down watching television, and, and she's working in the kitchen, and I actually listen as she's working, and if I don't hear the dunk of the cabinet door, I get up and walk all the way across the room, and I'm like, I got that for you. I mean, it's just, I'm, I got issues, man. I got issues. But, but these differences to her, that's no big deal. And then there's some stuff I know I just, you know, one time I did that to her. But it doesn't ever happen on a regular basis. But despising difference, here's the thing. So, so a lot of you know, I, I coached high school football for 12 years. The best football teams are the ones that have different kind of players. Nobody wants a football team where everyone is six foot five, 390 pounds. You're going to lose. You're, you're not going to win a game. You, you only need four or five people like that. that that's your alignment. But you also want some that are like six foot two, weigh 180 pounds, and run like a deer. You want some of those too. You, you want a, a, a five foot eight and three quarters quarterback is what you want. And, and uh, they can make really good decisions and can scramble and throw on the run. All good teams, all winning teams have differences. That's what makes them great. And that's what makes relationships great, the differences. But so many times, instead, you're not like me, and we begin to despise the differences. In Mark chapter 3, verse 25, the Bible says, a house is divided against itself that house cannot stand. Interesting, Abraham Lincoln quoted this during the Civil War. President Abraham, a house divided against itself cannot stand. A house that despises the differences cannot stand. Despising the differences. Here's the fourth cause of conflict, our sin nature. Straight up, just like every one of us, we have a sin nature inside of us. Our sin nature. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 puts it this way. For everyone has sinned, we all fall, fall short of God's glorious standards. Every single one. That's the thing. Every relationship, listen, if, maybe you've got a new relationship, maybe you're in a romantic relationship, and, and, and man, it's just like straight fire, and it's just like, oh wow, just nothing could go wrong. Listen, they're going to disappoint you. 
They're gonna it's going to happen because all of us fall short. All of us fall short at some point. And the idea that we're never going to experience some sort of disappointment in relationship, yeah, that's just not real world stuff. That's not real world stuff. We all have this sin nature that we're battling, and it's the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us that can really overcome that. It's, it's God that can do it. Because if you could have changed, you already would have. We need God's help. We need him desperately every moment. And so those are four causes of conflict. Let me just share quickly four ways to deal with conflict. There's four choices. Anytime you have a conflict, every time I have a conflict, there's four choices that I have. First of all, I can deal with it my way. You can deal with it my way. I mean, great, you know, that's a great tune by Frank Sinatra, love it, uh, you, you know, or Elvis Presley. But reality, you try to deal with conflict your way, you're not going to have any friends and no relationships that are good. You know, my way or the highway, you're going to be lonely. You're going to be really lonely a lot of your life. So you can deal with it my way, or you can deal with it your way. Uh, your way is this. My way is you better do what I want or it's over. Your way is this. Well, I, it's not that big a deal, whatever you want. That's not really a solution. Whatever you want. That's not a solution. That's not an effective way because sooner or later you just keep saying whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever you want, and then sooner or later it's like time out. Listen, Jones, I've been doing this for 10 years now. I'm fed up with whatever you want. It's not a real good way to deal with conflict. Here's the third way, halfway. A lot, a lot of culture believes 50%. I, I hear, you know, sometimes couples like, you know, we want to get married and we're just going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give 50% and you give 50%. And what that actually means is the other 50% is going to be outside the relationship. That does not make a relationship work 50%. 100% and 100% halfway. I'll meet you halfway. Compromise, compromise, compromise. That's not an effective way of dealing with conflict either. And, and listen, my way, your way, halfway, these are not the answers. I want to give you, this is the answer of dealing with conflict. Uncommon conflict. It's not my way, it's not your way, it's not halfway, it's God's way. Dealing with conflict, God's way in relationships. And, and that's what we're here about, and that's what I want to look at now. How does God say that you and I can have uncommon conflict, that conflict still comes, we can handle it in the right way, and watch this now, the relationship grows stronger, it doesn't get more strained. Remember that we would know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's his desire. And so what is God's way? Let me kind of give you the... the uh, the idea here, and, and then we'll look in scripture and, and explain this. Here's God's way of dealing with conflict. Are you ready? I first go to him and let him do the work in me. Because conflict, what did we just read? It's an insight, it's my desire, it's my expectation that you're not fulfilling. And so before we go to our spouse, before we go to our child, before the child comes to us, before we go to the boss, the boss comes to us, we say this, God, Change me. Change me. And he's the only one that can really do that. I can't change myself. God, change me. I first go to him and let him do the work in me. I say this all the time to men when I'm talking to men about marriage and all this. I say, you need to pray more than you say. And any man who's married... Pray more than you say, and what? God changed me, because in marriage, the Bible says we're one. So if something is really tweaking me about my wife, 
I don't need to say anything. I need God to change me, and guess what? It'll change her, and I never said a word. I first go to him and let him do the work in me. That's the principle of dealing with conflict. So let's look at it now, uncommon conflict. here's, Here's something, here's an interesting thought. Just think about this with me for a minute. Conflict cannot continue without my participation. The only way you have conflict, it takes two to tango. Ever heard that before? It takes two to tango. In order to have a conflict, both parties have to agree, we're going to have a conflict. We're not going to fight about this. We're not going to do this. There's no conflict. It's over. It's done. Conflict cannot continue without my participation, without two people, or even more than that, participating together. There are four uncommon responses that the Bible gives us to conflict. Here's the first one. I will act and not react. I will act and not react. In other words, I'm not going to be reactionary when my desires are not fulfilled, my expectations are not fulfilled. I'm not going to react. I'm going to act instead. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27 puts it this way. In your anger, do not sin. Did you know that's even possible? It's possible that we can have these emotions, but we don't act on them. Anger is a feeling, it's emotion, but it doesn't mean we have to act on it. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. And, and, and so I think one of the primary applications of this is the marriage, but, but it's just in... Deal with it. Deal with it. Don't, don't kick it, the can down the road. Deal with it today. Don't let your son go down while you're still angry. And, and, and there have been a couple times uh, in Susie and my marriage where we went 10 days without sleeping. No, I'm just kidding because it says don't go to sleep angry, so we just stayed awake all the time. And that was kind of a joke, but none of you laughed, so I'm going to move right on. Uh, anyway, so it says do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't go to sleep angry. It doesn't solve anything. It just festers. It brews inside. So I will act and not react. Susie and I, early on in our marriage, we, we actually put together, you know, did you know you can actually have rules of engagement, rules for conflict? And I encourage you, if, if, if you're thinking about getting married, settle on these before you have a conflict. Because there's so much stuff that happens when there's a disagreement or a conflict, and it's like collateral damage. It doesn't have to be that way. So this is not in your notes, but let me share with you just real quick some, some rules of engagement. First of all, never put it off. That, that's what the scripture is telling us. Never put it off. Never put off uh, the, the uh, let's kick it down the road, let's, let's not talk about this. Let's not, never put it off. Deal with it in the moment. Because these things tend to, they don't, they, time doesn't heal all wounds. They, it causes wounds to fester. Uh, here's the second thing. Never call names. Never call names. You know, you, you don't want to do that. You know, you're ugly and your mother dresses you funny. You know, don't say that to your kids. Don't say that to them. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't call names. It just, it just like, everything escalates. Stay on point. Stay focused. And you can, as a, as a married couple, you can actually go through these things and say, we're going to agree on this. We're going to agree on this because we want to solve our conflicts and work them out. Never call names. Here's the one. Never say never or always. Because no one always does anything. No one never does something. I mean, one time they did, 
You know, you've been married for 30 years. Remember, one time he did bring you flowers. You never bring me flowers. No, remember, 1992, I did. Pulled that one out of the neighbor's yard and gave it to you. So you just don't ever say, you never say never, never say all. Those are all inclusive. And what happens is this, I'll just say hypothetically, not from experience or anything. What happens is this, when you say never or always, the other person says, technical foul, that's not true. I'm not listening to anything else you say. They call technical foul. It's like, that's not true. You're not even being true in the conflict. And it just escalates and it mushrooms. So avoid saying never and always. Stay on the point. Stay on the subject. Here's the next one. Never raise your voice. Never raise your voice. Well, this is really hard for me because I grew up in a family that we just yelled about everything. We yelled good. We yelled bad. We just, it was loud. It was a loud family. Susie's family wasn't like that. And, And tone communicates so much more than actually words do. We, we can have just kind of normal words, but the tone, when the volume gets higher, is saying something very, very different. And so, never raise your voice. Uh, how about this one? Never get historical. <laughs> the men in the church right now are saying, thank God you said that. Never get historical because we can't remember anything. And there's something, women remember everything. Everything. I mean, my wife has like an amazing memory. She's like, I remember. I remember in 2001, you were wearing that polo with the stripes on it, and you said dot, dot, dot. I can't even remember what shirt I have on right now. Oh, there it is. I I just can't remember those things. But women can like remember things so well. So don't go historical. Don't pull out, okay, here's the list. And it rolls all the way down there. You know, this is all the stuff I've been keeping up. Just deal with what's happening in the moment, in the present moment. And notice I said, never get hysterical. I mean, historical. Hysterical, you don't want to get that either. But never go historical. And then here's, and this one is, is for marriage. And for those of you married, I just want to add this in here. These are for all, any time. Friendships, roommate, you know, whatever. All these. But this one is for marriage. You ready? Never threaten divorce. Don't even allow the word to be said. Don't ever do it. Because the moment you say it, it means mentally you've already started down the path. You're already on the road. And Susan and I got married, we were like, till death do us part, and, and we're, we're not going to kill each other. That's the whole thing. We're, we're in this together. And, and, and when you just eliminate that word from the discussion, from the vocabulary, and, and don't, don't try to, you know, explain it without saying it. Well, I'm going to end this marriage. Yeah, that's divorce. Don't say that. Just eliminate it. Now you have the safety and the security to work out the conflict. Just, just decide, and maybe you've never done it to the, just decide. Talk when you're not in the conflict. These are going to be our guidelines. Talk about the guidelines. Have some rules for engagement. I will act and not react. Number two, I will focus on the good things in you. I will focus on the good things in you. In our culture, in our society today, there's just all these issues. It's just crazy. Humanity is a mess. Our our culture, our nation is a mess. 
Take gun control, for instance. Let's talk about gun control. And all the air just got sucked out of the room. Watch this now. This is how crazy our culture is. This is why we don't want to copy the behavior of the world. Everyone agrees. We got to stop these school shootings. Everyone agrees on that. No one wants to see any of this. Every single American, this got to stop. We can't do this anymore. So the conclusion, we're all on the same page. Everybody agrees. We all love, no one's saying, I'm for more school shootings. No one is saying that. It's got to stop. But then there are those that say, let's arm everyone with a gun. And then there are those that say, let's take everyone's guns away. The how we disagree on. The conclusion is still the same. And both sides hate each other because of it. That's the world. That's why nothing changes. Because we don't know how to deal with conflict. And we vilify and we demonize people. If you disagree with me on one point, you hate me. No, I just don't agree with your opinion on that one point. But it's like people don't even think like that anymore. If you don't carte blanche agree with everything I say, everything I do, you hate me. No, not at all. We have to focus on the good things in someone even when we disagree with them. Even when we have conflict, even in the middle, focus on the good in the person. Because you're in a relationship with them, there was some good at some point. They were good at some point, they were a friend. They, they were a, a mentor, they, they were, you, you loved your job at some point. At some point, that job you have today was a dream come true when you got the phone call. It was an answer to prayer. Now you hate going to work. What changed? See, we just have to, I'll focus on the good things in you. I remember as a child, my, my mom, she used to write on index cards, Bible verses, index cards. I think they still have those things. And, and she'd, she'd get a magnet and she'd stick them to the refrigerator. So every time we went in there to get food, you know, teenage grown boy, you go to the refrigerator a lot. Uh, we, we would see these Bible verses. And there was one, and she used to say, baby, look at this. This is Philippians chapter four, verse eight. And she called this the Philippians 4 filter. Look, look at what this says, Philippians 4, 8. The Bible says, finally, brothers, watch this now, you'll see a trend in what I asked the tech guys to highlight for me. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, find the truth. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, are you seeing the trend? Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about these things. Focus on the good. Focus on the good. That's the filter that, that we're supposed to filter all of life through, seeing the good. Is the glass half full or half empty? I don't care. Thank God I got a glass. Thank God I got a glass. Focus on the good. Conflict, listen, let me give you a little illustration here. Would you put the next slide up? Let me ask you a question. Look on this, this screen right here. What do you see on the screen? What's on the screen? Go ahead, let me see. How many of you see a spot on the screen? All right, I don't. 
I see a white screen with a dot. See, isn't it crazy how much we focus on that right there? And we forget about all this. We focus on the one thing that we don't like. The one opinion we don't agree with. The one thing, the one thing that makes you less than perfect. And that's where the conflict comes. Instead of, that's a, look at, that's a white screen and there's just one little flaw. Jesus talked about this. He talked about, he talked about it with the speck. He said, how can you remove a speck from your brother's eye when you have a log in yours? We focus on the one little tiny thing that irritates me about you. And we forget all of this good. All of this good. My wife actually shared that with me earlier today. <laughs> and I was like, can I steal that and use that in a sermon? That's just really too good. She's like, okay, go ahead, because it fits in. I will focus on the good things in you. If you're in a relationship, you have a friendship or something like that, and at one time you were close friends or even in marriage or whatever the relationship, whatever the relationship, just think back on when it was good. It's the same person. It's a white screen with a dot. It's not a dot on a screen. It's all about focus. It's all about perspective. Here's the third thing. I will apply God's grace to you. We don't agree. We don't see eye to eye. Right now we're in the middle of a conflict. But I choose to apply God's grace to you. Romans chapter 12 verses 19 through 21 puts it this way, do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Put it in God's hands. Leave it up to God. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says Greg. No, that's not what it says. It's not mine to repay. It's not yours to repay. I will... Uh, it, uh, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord, says God. God says, I'm gonna straighten it out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring justice. Look at what it goes on and says, on the contrary, so on the contrary means this, what we previously read was like, that's the way the world deals with stuff. That's the way the world handles conflict. On the contrary, now this is what we're supposed to do as children of God, as Christians. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. What is that talking about? It's talking about times in Middle Eastern culture when at nighttime it still get very, very cold. And to bring warm coals to someone was really to show them that you care about them, their welfare. 
Show show your enemy you care about them. That you're not cutting them off. Man, have we made relationships so disposable in our culture? We just cut people off left and right. And it goes on and says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? Good. See, evil never overcomes evil. Only good does that. In the middle of a conflict, show you care. Show that you care. Overcome evil, not with more evil, not with vengeance, not with wrath, not with, I'm gonna get my pound of flesh. God, I trust you. I'm gonna be good. I'm gonna show you kindness and goodness. And here's the fourth thing. And this is the reason why we can be good to our enemies. I will remember God's grace to me. Because God showed you grace when you hated him and wanted nothing to do with him. The Bible makes it clear that God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we reject it, when we want nothing to do with him, he showed us grace. That's why we can extend grace to someone even in the middle of a conflict. Because God extended his grace to you and his grace to me. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine, puts it this way. For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. Watch this now. And this is not of yourselves. We did not deserve God's grace. It's not about deserving it. You can't earn God's grace. It is a gift of God. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. We can't be proud about it. There's no scorecard. It is, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works. There's none, you'll never, if you lived a million years, you'd never be good enough to earn God's grace. If I lived a million years, there's nothing I could do. I could never be good enough to earn, to deserve God's grace so that no one can boast. See, when we understand what God did for each of us through sending his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect and sinless life and to lay that life down on the cross as a sacrifice for my sin, for your sin. And he rose again three days later. And it's simply by receiving that gift that he purchased for us through his life, death, and resurrection. I'm forgiven. That's God's grace. And, and, and when we really begin to that, comprehend that, not even in our heads, but down in our hearts, do you know what? Because we realize we're grace receivers, you know what we can become? Grace extenders. That we can begin to extend grace to other people. Even when they mock us. Even when they disappoint us even when they drive us crazy. 
we can show him grace just like God did for you and just like God did for me. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. It's a gift from God, not by any works, so no one can boast. And it humbles, it humbles the human heart when we realize that's what God did for me. And it's in that humility when we realize what God did for me that I can extend that grace to others. Listen, every one of us has had conflict. Every one of us has had conflict that probably there's some embarrassing moments. There's some things we wish we had not said. Every one of us. I remember one time when, when Susie and I were having a conflict. And I'll never forget it. It, it just was, we're going around and around and around in circles. And she said, time out. I just want to remind you, we're on the same team. And we're going to get through this. That made like all the difference. And all of a sudden it was like what she was saying, what I heard was, I'm extending grace. I'm giving you grace. And it's like all of a sudden I remembered. And I'm going to apply God's grace to you. Because God applied his grace to me. I think this would be a really good time right now for us just to bow our heads and pray. Let's do that now. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your grace. Lord, so many of us have received your grace through Jesus Christ's perfect life and his sacrificial death and his resurrection. Father, what we need now it's just, just really a, a revelation of your grace, what, how, how huge it really is. That not only we can be thankful that we receive it, but we can begin to extend it to others. Father, I just pray right now that, that if, if, if there are those in the hearing my voice that are in a conflict in their relationship, Lord, that you just remind them of your grace to them. Lord, that you take these, these words from your scripture that we've looked at, that Philippians chapter four, eight, filter. And Lord, we just begin to see the good in that person. Not just focus on the one little thing, but to, the good in that person. No more demonizing, no more vilifying. But Lord, that we would see through grace. Lord, we need your help in the midst of conflicts. Help us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit to remember how far you went, how much you did when we wanted nothing to do, when we were going on the other way and you extended your grace to us. That we would be people, Lord, that would be uncommon because we handle conflict in our relationships in a way that glorifies you, Lord. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to audio from Valley Christian Church located in Hopewell Junction, New York. Please visit us online at valleychristianchurch.net for more information. Thank you.